0: Anthony Sotilli is a PyTest core contributor, as well as a maintainer and contributor to many other projects. In this episode, Anthony shares some of the super cool features of PyTest that have been added since he started using it. Thank you to Azure Pipelines for sponsoring this episode. Many organizations and open source projects are using Azure Pipelines already. Get started for free at azure.com slash pipelines. Welcome to Testing Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. Uh, welcome to Testing Code. Today we have uh, Anthony Sotili. Now you just told me, and I got—I forgot already. <laughs> Anthony Sotili. Sotili. Anthony Sotilli. Okay, um, but the Italian version. Tell me that again. Sotile. So I, I like that.
1: Yes, uh, so my name is Anthony. I work on a lot of open-source software, uh, in particular PyTest, pre PreCommit, Talks, and a spattering of other things. Uh, I currently work at Lyft as an infrastructure developer. I work on the developer experience team where I build tools and software to make developers productive, or at least we try.
0: <laughs> okay, that's um, for internal developers? I assume. Yeah,
1: so we target... Basically, any service uh, or feature developer at Lyft will use the tools that we build. Okay. And so we also build like the
0: development environments that that users will use as well. Oh, cool. And you you use uh, do you use Pytest at work then, also? Yeah,
1: we actually use Pytest in almost all of our six hundred ish Python services, or maybe it's five hundred ish, somewhere around there. Uh but we use pytest in almost all of our services except for the really really old ones which are still using nose uh, but we've been trying to migrate all of them to pytest and we also use it in our python libraries so we have a number of internal libraries that help our services move along smoothly
0: cool nice um now we're going one of the things i want to talk about and brought you on is uh for some of the cool new features of pytest but um but, but PyTest has been around for a long time. Um, I got started way back in the 2x days, and we're up to like 5x now. Um, what? How long have you been using PyTest?
1: Yeah, so I actually got started working with PyTest as a user in early 2014, which I think around then was the like 2.6 release. Uh, before that, I was using a different testing framework from the company that I worked at, which I, I used to work at Yelp. Uh, and they wrote their own test framework called Testify, and uh, around that time Yelp started sort of feeling out other test frameworks to see whether Testify was actually a good idea or not, and largely landed on PyTest as as the way forward. And so I was doing some experimental personal projects at the time and decided to check it out before I needed to learn it for work and found that it was way better than what I was using before. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, PyTest has changed quite a bit since 2.6, but I think it's actually pretty impressive how much the core has remained the same. I was actually just looking back at some of the older code that I'd written in that era of PyTest, and most of the tests look about as about the same as I would write today.
0: When you listed all the stuff you contribute to, it's like my entire tool chain. Um, <laughs> So I'm glad that we're getting a chance to talk, so I know who to ask questions about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on your speed dial there. <laughs>
0: uh, but there's a big difference between using a tool like me and contributing to something. So, uh, like in pretty much any of them. But how did you how did you go from being a user to a developer? Of, uh, yeah, of so uh
1: other than pre-commit, which I created, the uh story for most of the other tools is about the same where like I was either a longtime user or uh, I had used it enough to find enough of the rough edges, or uh you know, just like getting getting beyond using to where I'm trying to integrate things in interesting ways. And so I inevitably either like made bug reports or found little things to improve or features to add, and that's kind of how I got started with any of those sorts of projects. Uh, in particular, with uh, with pytest, yeah, I was I was a kind of longtime user of pytest. And I originally got started in around 2017, and my initial commits were adding features that I actually needed for work at the time. Uh my first feature that I added to pytest was capsys binary and capfd binary. Uh the idea was to make the capturing uh fixtures work for binary streams as well as text streams. And I basically needed to test some like obscure integration where I was writing I think it was tar output to standard out and like that's not text output so I needed binary output. Uh, but I basically got started with a few small contributions and then uh, did some issue triage because I was like waiting for someone to review my code and notice some other interesting issues and uh, added a few comments here and there. And from there, it was basically just like I got more and more involved with the project and was eventually given the the commit bit and I uh, haven't really looked back <laughs> since I've uh been contributing more and more as as time goes on as well. And some of that is because I learn more and more of the code base, so it's easier for me to work on more different parts of Pytest, but it also uh I also just have more free time to work on it nowadays.
0: Yeah, there are there are corners of it that are more difficult to understand than others.
1: Um, Absolutely. Yeah, there's some parts that I still don't even understand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah. I think I jumped into the wrong end. My my foray into looking at the source code was how does the assert rewriting work? Um, Mm, Yeah,
1: I've actually been touching that code quite a lot recently. We uh, we added a feature that ended up getting rolled back, but uh, it touched a lot of how assertion rewriting needs to understand the expressions that are being asserted on and kind of, do some fancy bytecode rewriting in order to uh, give us those nice assertion messages that PyTest gives us. Uh, now, the last thing that I touched there was a new hook that got added so that you can, I think it was, you can hook into when an assertion passes such so that you could write metrics on like how many assertions are in my code base.
0: That's actually really cool because there's, there was a, a test framework I used um uh, it was one of those custom rolled in in house things that mm-hmm. not only uh, counted test cases and uh, um, yeah, basically t- t- as you know, test functions or test cases, but also um, the the number of checks within the test case. And mm. in in this case, it would be you know how many asserts um, we're trying to hit or we are hitting. Uh, so does that? Does that count for, um, is that just in the test function? Or I guess within PyTest, it doesn't really matter. Any code that's running during a test, an assert causes a fail, right?
1: Yeah. So I, I think the way the hook works is it works for any anything that gets rewritten by the PyTest machinery. So that's usually tests, but also plugins. And you can manually mark other files to get rewritten as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but like other um like the source code that you're testing that won't be rewritten unless you um unless you explicitly say so, right?
1: Right, yeah. Okay. Or, or unless your source code happens to be either a pytest plugin or it's named test, which I don't know why you would do that, but it could <laughs> it could happen.
0: Yeah. Okay. You have a list of some of the the features that have been new since you started that you like. Um so let's talk about those.
1: Sure. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'm gonna go version by version and tell you about the, the features that I, I wanna highlight. Um, but yeah, so the first, like, kind of new version for me was way back in PyTest 3.0, but this was the first version that PyTest supported yield fixtures in, uh, the normal fixture decorator and therefore deprecated yield fixture. Um, and I think this was, like, one of the first times where we were able, and this is when I worked at Yelp, we were able to internally uh, write some shared testing libraries that had some of these nice fixtures that we could reuse without uh, depending on experimental features.
0: Yeah, and this uh, this is inc- this is an incredible feature that that was added in. So I'm 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 sure everybody listening is familiar with it. But uh, before the so after the yield fixture went in, you have one you have one f- function your fixture. That the like the top half of it is the setup that runs before your test, and then a yield statement, and then everything under the yield statement happens after your test. Um, and with scoping, you can control where when this happens, of course. But before that, your setup and teardown were in different functions, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So so yeah. this this bundling of a resource with setup and teardown within one function is huge it makes pytest so much easier to learn
1: yeah so. and it also made it really hard to do things like uh, like use mock.patch for instance cuz it's really easy to use it with a yield fixture cuz you can just use the context manager for it but you had to like manually start and stop stuff and like sometimes your teardowns wouldn't necessarily run in the order that you wanted and it was just a whole mess and yield just made that way way better
0: you can you can set up a context manager and yield within the context
1: Yep. Yeah, that's actually the biggest reason that we used it at uh, Yelp. Um, Yelp's Testify framework had a similar feature called Setup Teardown, which was essentially yield fixtures uh, before PyTest had it. But uh, since it became a real feature, we were able to really easily migrate our tests to PyTest.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, sorry to get off on that tangent, but I'm just a huge fan of yield. So
1: (laughs) So am I, so am I. (laughs)
0: Okay. Yeah, cool. next. So
1: one of the next things that landed that I thought was pretty important to call out was some of the plugins that got integrated from the community into PyTest Core. Uh, and The first of those is the warnings plugin, which landed in 3.1, uh, which made warning output that happened from tests much more visible. And at the same time, you could write tests that used the RecWarn fixture to capture warnings and uh, perform assertions upon them. And uh, this also made warnings a lot more visible in tests because now you could see like when you're using deprecated features or uh, when the code that you're running might not work in the future. And uh, surfacing that at test time, I think, is really important so that you're starting to see those before your users see them.
0: Yeah, and the behavior of code, I mean, issuing a warning in certain situations is a behavior, and mm-hmm. now now you can test for it. So that's super cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And another thing that got released in 3.1 that I actually use a lot is the, well, it's not really new anymore, but uh, pytest param got a bunch of new functionalities that make it much easier to uh, add markers or change the test name of particular permutations in a parameterized decorator. So when you want to test a bunch of tests, but sometimes you want to control what those tests are named, uh, pytest-param makes it really easy to pass like a name parameter for your different permutation.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, it is, it's sometimes jolting to go from, uh, from it, some of the parameters are just not using PyTestParam, but then having a few with param, but it's still very useful. I like
1: it absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't realize this feature until probably like a couple months ago, um, and someone someone showed it to me in a code review. And I was like, "This changes everything. Now I don't <laughs> have to have tests that are called like test rewrite zero one one true false. They can be like test rewrite this tests this scenario instead.
0: Yeah, then that's that's one of the my main uses that I use it for is um, is having the intent of the test case um, in the in the name instead of just the random whatever's there this episode of testing code is sponsored by Azure pipelines Azure pipelines is a continuous integration continuous deployment service that supports Python and any other language on Windows Mac and Linux and lets you run automatic builds and test of tests of your code it's fully integrated with GitHub and lets you define your continuous integration and delivery pipelines with a YAML document. Azure Pipelines is free for individuals and small teams. If you are maintaining an open source project, you get unlimited build minutes and 10 concurrent pipelines. Many organizations and open source projects, including PyTest, are using Azure Pipelines already. Get started for free at azure.com pipelines. For three point three, you have your uh, binary versions that you did. Yep,
1: yep. Talked about that one already, um, but yeah, that was this was three three was when I first started uh, actually contributing to PyTest, and so everything from there onwards, um, I either like helped work on or was able to like review and and uh, push out. So uh, that's when I joined the project. Okay, what's next? Uh, the next thing, uh, we already kind of talked about the warnings plugin, so we'll skip, we'll skip that. It did get better in 3.8. Uh, the next biggest thing is uh, PyTest added a bunch of temporary directory fixtures that are based on pathlib instead of the uh, py.path library. Uh, and This just brings all of those fixtures much, much closer to standard Python tooling instead of using the uh, kind of deprecated py library uh which yeah. pytest originally grew out
0: of Yeah and I, lo- I love um I love this uh part they it doesn't actually both of them are pretty pretty easy to use um mm-hmm. but the um the pathlibs are supported by the rest of python better and also using the tempter, the object that is passed back is something that I if I was trying to describe it to people I'd have to like point to some you know hidden documentation somewhere and yeah, uh, it's like
1: a pi dot underscore path dot underscore local dot local path object or something ridiculous like that. And it's like, well, yeah. now I can at least just say it's a pathlib object, and yep. that's way simpler to tell people.
0: On the other end of it, the usage of it isn't that hasn't changed that much, so it doesn't take that much time to convert. If you wanted to convert uh, mostly the te- same. tempdir to temp path, yeah, so.
1: There's a couple things that aren't supported, like there's no good context manager for changing directory in Pathlib, but the monkey patch fixture from PyTest has a built-in way to change the directory as well. Oh, right. Um, and yeah. you can actually combine temp path and monkey patch to do it in, in one go. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's good.
1: Okay, next. Cool. Next is in uh, 3.10. Um, this is just like a very, very minor change, but I think it helps make the output a lot more readable. Uh, the little dots in the PyTest output now have colors by default. Um, this was actually uh, the inclusion of a third-party framework, but it ended up only being like a couple-line change to make it happen, and it was their first contribution to PyTest, and it was a um, pretty cool feature for not, much, <laughs> not that much code. What color are the dots? Uh, so, like, past tests are green, uh, failed tests are red, and... I think skipped and xfail are both yellow, but I have to double check that.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not just the dots that get color, all the other the little things get colored too. Yep. That's cool.
1: Yeah, and actually around that time, we tried to make a lot of the coloring a little bit more consistent, uh, and it <laughs> was partially my effort because I wanted to make the docs look better, so I wrote a Pigments plugin that highlights plain text PyTest output so that you can... Uh, have colors in in like Sphinx documentation. Um, so I did a, a bunch of stuff to like clean up where we color stuff and make it a little bit more consistent. Okay. Cool. Nice. Cool. So the next two features are pretty tightly related, but in two different versions. Uh, and so one of them is the removal, and then one of them is a reintroduction of basically the same feature, but a slightly different implementation. Um, so there was this testing type called yield tests, uh, which I didn't use all that much, but it was sometimes useful as an alternative to parameterize. Basically, the way it would work is you would you would write a test case that was a generator, and you would loop over some construct inside of your test and yield an assertion, and each of those assertions would show up as a separate test. Uh, it, was a, it was an idea that was, I think, borrowed from Nose, but I'm not really sure where where it came from. Uh, But in PyTest 4.0, that feature was removed because we changed how the internal discovery system worked and yield tests just were utterly incompatible with that. But in PyTest 4.4, we reintroduced, uh, well, we changed some parts of core so that a plugin could kind of reintroduce the idea of yield tests, but in a much more supported way. Uh, And from that grew the PyTest subtests plugin, um, I'm still not 100% sure how it works because I haven't used it yet, but uh, the, the basic idea is to support um, basically the same idea as yield tests where you can uh, fine-tune a parameterization and create tests as uh, at runtime.
0: The subtest was one of the features of unit test that it didn't work right in PyTest because you can use PyTest to run unit test tests, um, but if your unit test had subtests in it, it was it didn't work right. But with this pytest subtests plugin, it does work right. Um, mm.
1: Yeah. I was, I was about to say like, I was pretty sure subtests came from unit tests, but I couldn't remember the exact, <laughs> the exact place. But yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense.
0: My recommendation is to not use them because when I tried to figure out how they work completely, um, I was utterly disappointed. Um, and also, uh, and then I thought it was maybe the PyTest implementation, and I went and tried it in unit test, and nope, they're just they're just very hard to use. Um, yeah. So if you're using them and you're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about, they work fine. Well, then good for you. Uh, my issue is I have to I have to report stuff to something like uh, JUnit XML or some other reporting mechanism, and the issue is. You get you get more tests. If you have a bunch of failing tests, you can get a whole bunch with sub tests. You can get a whole bunch of failing tests, and your total number of tests can exceed the number of tests, and that's weird. Um,
1: ah, right. So you can have like a hundred and ten percent of tests yeah. completed. Um, so <laughs> I remember mean, I fixed a bugger on that at some point. The high <laughs> test was like, "You are now four hundred percent complete."
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry for the uh, the tangent, but anyway. That's so, fine. What's next? Uh,
1: so the last two changes are pretty related, uh, but mostly around the release structure of PyTest moving forward. Uh, so in Py, uh, PyTest 4.6, we announced our last version that will support Python 2, uh, as well as Python 3.4, but I think that's less earth-shattering for most people. Um, and announced that the uh, 5.0 and plus releases will be the first releases that will only support Python 3. Uh, Now, this is not saying that we won't continue to support Python 2. Uh, The 4.6 branch uh, continues to receive bug fix patches and will continue to do so towards the end of the year. Uh, After that, we'll still accept bug fixes, but we won't be maintaining it ourselves. It'll mostly just be community contributed fixes. Um, and moving forward, we'll be able to use Python 3 features and do a lot of both internal cleanup and uh, fix a lot of long-standing bugs that were basically because we needed to support Python 2 at the same time. Um, and some of the stuff that we did around that was like we we upgraded all of the syntax in PyTest to be Python 3 only. Uh, this allowed us to use some like newer features like removing inheritance from object, like simple super, and uh, getting rid of Unicode literals, and a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, we also were able to redo the import system of PyTest. Uh, it was using a deprecated uh, module called imp in the standard lib, and imp has a bunch of bugs and is slightly different from how normal imports work. And so. By Switching to the import lib based system, we were able to fix some bugs around like case insensitive file systems, namespace packages, and a bunch of other stuff that was slightly wrong. Also, we got rid of some deprecation warnings that would always show up in our test suite.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm it, a big sigh of relief uh, to get to that point. So now we can, uh, new contributors don't need to worry about trying to deal with uh, two. Two and three support. That's a. It's not fun.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. Like people would come by and add a feature, and like all the tests would pass in Python three, and then they'd be like, "Well, what is this Unicode decode error thing? What do I do with that?" And um, it's good yeah. to not have to deal with that so much anymore.
0: How does that work? If somebody's contributing, uh, testing something, do they need to to test on all of the all the different versions, or is there a tool? like a continuous integration tool chain that tests on multiple versions?
1: So the way PyTest tests work is we use uh, we use some free providers to run our tests. So we use both Azure Pipelines uh, and Travis CI to run our tests. And uh, we configure those to install a bunch of different interpreters and test them on the, the platforms that we support. So we currently test, I want to say, Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, and we test everything from uh, well, depending on the branch. So for the 4.6 branch, we test Python 2.7 and then 4.6 up, uh, and in the 5x branch, we just test Python 3.5 and up. And um, okay, the the CI tools give us a nice way to build like a matrix of different. Uh, operating system and Python version tests, and then we use talks to provision the virtual environments and actually run the tests.
0: So if somebody pushes, uh, like, does a pull request, um, the pull request will get tested before it notifies people of it.
1: Yep. Yeah. So you'll 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 basically be able to see your PR status uh, either as red or green, and then have the ability to drill into each of those uh failures if you have failures.
0: Okay. I love that workflow because uh a contributor can test it on one version and then let the um let this you know the CI tool test it on everything else.
1: Yeah, because it's sometimes hard to install all those different interpreters and I, I like like I I didn't even have like a, a Mac machine to test on for the longest time. And so I would largely rely on CI to validate those uh, that platform. And uh, I don't expect our, user, our, our contributors to install like every version of Python onto the sun.
0: I was going to ask you how people can get involved, but one of the things I want to cover first to make sure people know about it is there are funding models now for pe- if people want to contribute uh, not time, but um, some cash. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's two models that PyTest now has opened up for people to contribute. Uh, one of those is through a service called Tidelift. Uh, the idea behind Tidelift is you basically sign up for a subscription model, and uh, I, I think the way it works is you say like what things that you use most often, and it redistributes the funds that you pay through your subscription to those tools that you want to support. Uh, PyTest also supports one-off contributions through Open Collective, and uh, I, I assume you have a description so we can put links down there. But you can also find it from PyTest's GitHub, and click on the uh, sponsorship button up at the top.
0: Yeah, we'll put links to these. And
1: the other really cool thing about these funding models is they're very open about how the contributions get used because all of that information ends up being public. So you can you can see like when we put in a, a line item, and you can see like what that is going towards.
0: Yeah, it's nice. Okay, now if I do want to contribute time, I assume that there's uh, there's room for more developers to get involved to help out.
1: Absolutely, there's always going to be more room for developers. We can we can never have enough contributions. Um, I think the biggest thing that uh, Pytest really needs right now to kind of grow as a community is to <laughs> is to burn down our issue backlog. Like we're, we've gotten pretty good at burning down the like open pull request count, but the number of issues is just like a lot of the stuff that needs to happen there is really just like simple issue triage or like closing duplicates or figuring out uh, whether things are bugs or not, like writing simple test cases for them or collaborating together with other issues that have similar problems. Um, but it's 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 a lot to burn down, and like sometimes I'll spend like an hour of my free time and just like go through a page of issues and either close them out or find duplicates for them, or if they're, like, simple bug fixes, I'll make a small patch that uh, gets those resolved and out of the way. But I think a lot of that needs to happen in order to drill down that backlog. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, I think, like, the the other way to get involved with the PyTest project, or at least the easiest way to get started, is to go to the issue tracker. Uh, we have a label for easy tasks. Uh, we try and mark some issues that are... Uh, something that's going to get you introduced into the code base or is, like, a, a one- or two-line patch for some minor bug or minor uh, situation that doesn't happen too often. Um, and those are often useful to both understand, like, how our development flow works, what sort of tools we use to develop on PyTest, uh, how we self-test PyTest, which is just, like, I think there's, like, almost 3,000 tests of PyTest for PyTest,
0: <laughs> yeah. which is
1: just quite a few. Uh, but it kind of gets you into that workflow that uh, that the current contributors use, and from there you can kind of expand out further, find other bugs to fix, uh, write new features if you need them. Uh, also, like contributing high quality bug reports is also super super valued. Um, I love getting a bug report where uh, the user has gone the extra mile to like include a. Uh, reproduction that has basically full source, the expected output, what they're seeing, uh, crash logs, version information, all that other stuff, um, and like even adding that to an existing issue is super valuable.
0: Yeah, it that, that, you know, takes a one of the things I love is when we see somebody it takes the time to to uh, to not say I've got this huge test scenario and I get this failure, but they boil it down to a a, a, a simple toy example that fails. Um,
1: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> My two least favorite bug reports are uh, here's this 100,000 line code base, it's broken, or uh, this isn't working, and then doesn't explain it at all, but <laughs> I think people yeah. are pretty good about bug reports, at least on the PyTest project. We have like an issue template that tries to guide you through uh, building out a high quality either reproduction or um, issue, although some people just delete the template and <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we don't get a good bug report. But how many people are involved with the with PyTest? Do you know?
1: Um, that's a good question. So, from the core developer perspective, right now it hovers between like four to six that that spend or that contribute most of the patches. Uh, but there's there's probably around like thirty ish people that uh, contribute either frequently or semi frequently.
0: Okay, but that's still pretty small. That's a small group of people that we have um, a whole bunch of people depending on PyTest now. So that's... uh,
1: Hundreds of thousands leaning on the backs of
0: essentially a busload of people. Yeah, that's incredible. Any cool things coming up that I can get excited about?
1: Hmm, so I kind of have an inkling about two larger ideas that we eventually want to solve, but... Uh, One of the interesting things about PyTest is a lot of the features come along organically and we don't necessarily plan them super far ahead. Uh, But the two that I've been thinking a lot about and hopefully we'll be able to get in at some point, uh, the the first one of those is smarter fixture ordering. Uh, Right now, PyTest will just greedily instantiate fixtures and uh, lazily deallocate fixtures. And so sometimes fixtures will have life cycles that, are longer than you would expect, or they get instantiated many, many more times than you would expect. Um, but it's, it's kind of a hard problem. We would essentially need to build a satisfiability solver and uh, apply that to our fixture setup in Uh But it has the potential to improve a lot of like memory overhead or uh, CPU time overhead for repeated operations that don't necessarily need to happen all that often.
0: That sounds uh, another, like a great problem for a grad student
1: yeah it's it's one of those like super mathy problems that i I don't think I know enough about about sat solvers in order to solve, but it would be really great for somebody to like jump in who knows more about like how you would it, it essentially comes down to like a graph problem where you would plot all of the fixtures and tests as a graph and then optimize the uh, the usage there,
0: yeah, be cool, okay anyway.
1: And one other thing that's kind of on the horizon that we're we're looking into is uh, better interleaving discovery and execution. Uh, PyTest right now has a model where the first stage it does is it collects all of your tests, uh, and that basically involves importing every module and uh, permuting out every parameterized decorator, and then only after that's completed it will start running the tests. Uh, but this can lead to a huge amount of memory overload, especially for test suites that have like hundreds of thousands or millions of tests. For instance, like the the cryptography test suite hits this all the time. You basically need to have like six gigs of RAM in order to run their test suite. Um, and a lot of that is because PyTest has a bunch of overhead for the objects. Uh, but there's some thoughts on how we could kind of like iteratively discover, but at the same time start running tests as soon as they get discovered. Um, but it has a bunch of like implications around like, well, what if discovery fails partway through running tests, and like, how do we adjust uh, plugins and such to to handle those changes? And um, there's there's a lot of problems that we would need to figure out. And So it's it's really just at the at the birth of the idea. Uh, yeah. But other than that, I don't really know too much that's in the in the pipeline in
0: the future. Okay. Yeah. Both those sounded like interesting problems i um, never i didn't think about the dependence on plugins and stuff, yeah, and
1: there's some other hooks like uh there's one hook that allows you to reorder items and like change how they execute or like add decorators and fixtures at at like discovery time, and we would have to completely change how that works i don't, yeah. I don't even know if it would be compatible it's possible this idea will never get off the ground,
0: <laughs> so how do people get around it now? I mean it could potentially uh, one of the things people could do, if if you run into that, is, I mean, a, a brute force method would be to split your test suite into two directories and run run them separately.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what most most people do. Uh, we have a couple services at Lyft that hit this problem as well, and so we have. test slash unit one and test slash unit two and test slash unit three. And (laughs) we split those test suites up so that they, they don't consume so much memory when discovering tests. And we can also run them in parallel too, uh, without needing something like X Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So much exciting things going on. And yet there's not that many things that were commonly used that have been deprecated. So tests, (laughs) tests, even though there's all these new features, Tests written three, four, five, six years ago, most of them still just run fine.
1: Yeah, a lot of them, like, I think the biggest thing that I've had when upgrading the version of PyTest is just, like, make sure you've upgraded all of your associated plugins, and for the most part, things just work.
0: Well, this has been a total fun uh, episode, I think, for uh, PyTest nerds. Thanks a lot, and we will talk to you later. Yep, have a good one. Thanks again to Azure Pipelines for sponsoring this episode. Get started for free at azure.com slash pipelines. That link is also in the show notes at testingcode.com slash 82. A great way to get started with PyTest, of course, is with the book Python Testing with PyTest, and I'll drop a link in the show notes for that too. That's all for now. Now go out and test something.